Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by Eden Foods, the most trusted name in certified organic clean food. When you shop online at EdenFoods.com, enter the coupon code ORGVIEW to receive 20% off any regularly priced items, excluding cases. For other promotional offers, please visit TheOrganicView.com's website. And don't forget to check out our contest section. Due to the massive poisoning of our pollinators, one of the resolutions has been to focus on habitat improvement by planting areas that attract pollinators. However, there has been little to no discussion about how valuable this will be due to the contamination brought about by the use of neonicotinoids. Today, we're also going to talk to bee health advocate and environmental author, Graham White, who's going to address the issue of greenwashing and recent pesticide legislation regarding the state of Maryland. First, I'd like to welcome to the show my co-host, Tom Theobald. Hello, Tom. Hello, June. It's good to be back again. And our friend from Scotland, Mr. Graham White. Good afternoon, Graham, or good evening, Graham. Greetings from sunny Scotland. It's a rare sunny day here. What I'd like to do is discuss a little bit of the history in regards to this idea of planting what people think is a safe foraging region for our pollinators. So, Tom, I'd like you to begin by talking about some of the history involved with this effort. Well, we've always thought that it would be beneficial to plant uh pollinator attractive plants. I mean, that's, we beekeepers have done that for generations. But the main thrust for this has come as a result of the presidential task force. The president put out a, uh, I forget what the... A memorandum. Mem- a memorandum uh, calling for some examination of the problems that were ensuing from bee losses, and he put the USDA and the EPA in charge. And one of the primary recommendations was habitat improvement, planting pollinator-attractive plants to improve the habitat for not only the honeybees, but many solitary bees. And um, what's been carefully avoided by both the EPA and the USDA is the potential contamination of these sites with the neonicotinoids, and they have very carefully avoided any examination of this question. A few of the other agencies have done so, some municipalities have done so, and wherever we look, we find that both the groundwater and the, and the soils have been contaminated over a wide area by these neonicotinoids. And Now, Tom, let's just take a moment to address exactly why this is coming about. Could you just please refresh our memories for people that are new to this whole equation, as well as for people that have been following this for for, for quite a while. Uh, could you just explain, let me just say that again. Tom, can you take a moment and just explain the impact of neonicotinoids and why this has become even an issue at this point? Well, we were assured that 
as to the safety of the neonicotinoids when they were first introduced, there's no surprise there. What we found is that the uh, effect on the lower level life forms is dramatic and and in the case of the honeybees, the effect on the nerve synapses is cumulative and irreversible. So very, very small amounts can have devastating effects, and that's exactly what we're seeing. And that's exactly why the EPA and the USDA are carefully avoiding any examination of that question, because they have been complicit in the decisions that have led us to what appears to be a massive environmental disaster. Could habitat, I, I, improvement, habitat improvement is good. It's what in the corporate world, when I was in the corporate world, we would call motherhood. How could you possibly object to planting flowers for the bees and the monarch butterflies and everything else? Well, they have failed to do their homework. And it's a criminal incompetence, I believe. Could I just say, uh, just to reinforce what Tom said, that uh, it's very difficult to explain to people the scale of the poisoning of the environment that we've experienced since about 1995. I mean, in America, over 200 million acres of crops, every single seed in every field is coated with a deadly poison. And that's every field of wheat, every field of corn, every field of canola, every field of soybeans, most fields of potatoes, apples, almonds, and so on. It's, it's really on a fantastic scale. So all of that environment, 200 million acres, is deadly to bees, butterflies, earthworms, everything above and below soil. And at the same time, uh, America is using a vast quantity of weed killer, weed killer glyphosate to kill the weeds among the crops. And that has virtually wiped out the monarch butterfly because the monarch butterfly's food plant is milkweed, which once grew on every field margin across the United States. But they've sprayed hundreds of millions of acres with glyphosate, and uh, all of the wildflowers and the, and the milkweed that used to be there is now dead. So the answer now is, well, we've wiped out virtually 95% of the wildflowers, over two, 300 million acres, so let's plant a few thousand acres of nice wildflowers and that'll solve the problem. Well, it won't because those wildflowers are being put into an environment that is saturated with neonicotinoid poisons and those poisons go straight into the wildflowers just as they go into the soybeans, the canola and the corn. So it's everywhere. There is no, there is no haven for bees or butterflies or nature in general. It is everywhere. And a recent study by Jonathan Lundgren, the, the chap who, the scientist who got fired by the USDA for telling the truth, he did a study on the uh, wildflower buffer zones that were planted around organic farms. I think it was in Ohio or Pennsylvania. I can't remember where it was. South Dakota. South well, it's South Dakota, sorry. And what he found was these buffer zones are supposed to protect the organic farms from the neighboring conventional farms where neonics are used. And when they went and analyzed the wildflowers, they found that the wildflowers contained deadly amounts of neonicotinoids, and the only place they could have come from was the neighboring farms, which were maybe a mile away. So they're traveling through the water and the soil. 
There is no safe haven. It's this kind of information that the EPA and the USDA are carefully avoiding, and it's why the USDA was so uncomfortable with uh, some of the findings that Dr. Lundgren was coming up with. They didn't want to hear this. They didn't want to open Pandora's box because they are all guilty of complicity in what has brought us to this environmental disaster. And I think also when the, the presidential task force and this wildflower strategy, that was partly done in a panic response to the fact that the, all 28 countries in Europe have banned the neonicotinoids. So the obvi- and that was done on a scientific basis. So the obvious logic of that is that America, if it observes international science, should probably take steps to ban them as well. And they were terrified of that happening because billions of dollars are at stake. So the, the idea was, what can we come up with that will look good but be purely tokenistic? In other words, it will have no impact whatsoever on the sale of neonicotinoids, but it'll look good in the local television station uh, broadcast or in the local newspaper. So we'll plant wildflowers. It's, it's motherhood and apple pie, as Tom says. That's an interesting comment, especially since the next subject is in regard to what's going on with the legislation in Maryland. That's correct. There was a bill passed in Maryland, uh, I think it was in April or May, in which uh, some really brave campaigners, it involved legislators and friends of the earth and lots of local activists, and they were campaigning to get um, neonicotinoids banned in Maryland, and they wanted them banned from the stores, they wanted them banned from agriculture, they wanted They wanted labeling on any plants and seeds sold in Home Depot or garden centers to say whether neonicotinoids had been used on those plants. Now, what they got after after an enormously long legislative process and enormous struggle was they got virtually nothing. What what they got was uh, homeowners are now not allowed to use uh, spray guns in the gardens or neonicotinoids on the lawns. But, and that sounds like a a, a win, and it is a small win, but farmers in Maryland can carry on using neonicotinoids on tens of millions of acres of land, no restrictions whatsoever. Uh, Anyone who's a, quote, professional, that means a professional landscaper, professional uh, landscape manager, golf course manager, school grounds manager, they can carry on using neonicotinoids, uh, completely ad lib, no restrictions whatsoever. And the consumer who now can't uh, apply neonicotinoids to his own lawn can just pick up the phone and ask the local garden professional to come around and spray his lawn. So they didn't get any of that. They didn't win any victories in that sphere. And, and I think the worst one of all is that they turned down the request to label plants in the garden center that have already been treated with neonicotinoids. That was a perfectly reasonable request, and that was turned down. Now, all of that is taken as read, as it were. You know, the, the campaigners fought a good fight. They achieved a tiny little victory in getting bug sprays banned for individual homes, but they lost on the farms, they lost on the professional landscaping, and they lost on the labels. 
but the way that the pesticide companies and crop life and the government have used this legislation in the media is truly awful. They have, it's been trumpeted on every website, massive victory for the bees in Maryland, victory for, uh, against pesticides in Maryland. It's not a victory at all. It's a tiny, tiny first step. And uh, I think it's really important that people understand when they win a tiny, tiny battle, but there's still a war to win. That's one perspective. And the other one is that the people in the NGOs who, are, who have made a good fight, they really need to understand that they lost 90% of the fight. They won 10%, they lost 90%. That's not a victory. It's a small step. No, it's an appeasement. Well, it's tokenism. And uh, it, the tokenism is not on part, behalf of the NGOs. The tokenism is coming from the government, from the USDA, the EPA and crop life and the pesticide companies. And they are the people who are making hay out of this small step forward. They're using that nationally to say, hey, you know, America's really making progress. We're not going to ban the neonicotinoids like the 28 countries of Europe has done. We're not going to put labels on any plants in the garden centers, but your grandmother won't be able to spray that rose in the front garden. She'll have to get a professional to do it. So basically, it's still continuing business as usual. It's just in a different way. Uh, we have, a, we have a, a very famous series of films over here, comedies. And they're called things like Carry On Doctor and Carry On Nursing and Carry On Up the Jungle. And this one's Carry On Poisoning. Carry on poisoning, boys. Let the profits roll in. Graham, for future references, what would you advise the folks that are listening to this program today to do? What course of action should they follow? Well, you know, if you look at the spheres of activity in America, the, the, the large beekeeping organizations, the large NGOs, Friends of the Earth, Beyond Pesticides, those kind of organizations need to get together and they need to identify the real enemy and the real enemy is not this pesticide or that pesticide. There's hundreds of pesticides we could fight against. And on the present level of evidence, you know, it's taking five to ten years to even get any restriction on neonicotinoids. The real enemy is the system that allows dozens and dozens and hundreds of these dangerous pesticides into the American landscape, into the food chain, into the environment, and that is the EPA. The EPA is behaving like a criminal organization. It's not observing its own laws as defined by Congress. It's allowed pesticides, neonicotinoids onto the market without proper testing, and it's completely ignored over 1,100 peer-reviewed scientific papers from all over the world which have caused those pesticides to be banned in the 28 countries of Europe. So it's, we need to stop attacking or campaigning for one small pesticide to be banned in Maryland. And we need to say, we want the EPA completely reformed from top to bottom. We want the, the managers sacked and prosecuted. We want a complete and absolutely revolutionary reform of the entire system of pesticide regulation. Because the sad truth is, in America, you do not have pesticide regulation. You have the illusion of pesticide regulation, and that's what they want you to have.
We have a marketing arm for industry. Well, we have pesticide registration, and the uh, EPA has become the marketing agency for the chemical companies that they're supposed to oversee. I just want to say once again, I think that the working-level EPA employees want to do the right thing. I think this is fundamentally a management problem. Their efforts have been mismanaged. Their efforts to do right have been stifled. Jonathan Lundgren is a perfect recent example. I think we need to start scrutinizing the management level of the EPA and start removing some of these people from their jobs. And the highest level of management at the EPA is Congress. And what have they done in the face of what appears to be the most massive environmental poisoning we've ever experienced? Go on vacation. That's what they've done. Not to mention, I think we have received some communication from one particular congressman who, during the election season, uh, the last time around, came up with some suggestions, but dropped the ball as soon as the elections were over. Well, the pollinator pollinator protection bill has been in the offing for three years, and they make political hay out of it when it's uh, beneficial. And I don't and I don't dispute that there is sincere interest, but it's accomplished nothing. Speaking from the beekeepers, we're out here dying. We are about to go under. I'm pretty close to that. Many of my friends are, and we don't have time to dawdle around indefinitely. Someone needs to get in the driver's seat and start demanding some performance from this regulatory agency and the USDA. And and the thing that people need to understand is this is not going to stop. There are probably two or three dozen pesticides which are killing bees in very, very large numbers, millions of hives a year in America. But there are dozens more coming down the pike, as you say, in the United States. Uh, The EPA has dozens and dozens of other equally dangerous pesticides in the pipeline. And on the basis of how they've behaved in the past, they are going to continue to behave that way. They're going to give these things a free pass. They're going to release them into the environment because it's good for business. Of course it's good for business. And it's not just with the bees. We're seeing evidence of these chemicals being sold in a multitude of products, not to mention pet care products, which many pet parents are completely oblivious to. But when you take a look at any product that claims to be very effective, which they are, towards eliminating fleas and ticks, they usually contain neonicotinoids. Well, the the clue to the solution of this is in the name of the agency. It's called the Environmental Protection Agency, but it has nothing to do with protecting the environment or protecting the American citizens who live in that environment. It is just an agency which is linked to industry very, very closely. Uh, There is no evidence that they are willing to change at the management level. There's no evidence that they want to change. You know, when, you ban a tw- when a pesticide is banned in 28 European countries and the EPA just twiddles its thumbs and says, well, that doesn't mean anything. International science doesn't mean anything. We can just carry on. That's, that's not uh, ignorance or stupidity. That is willful criminality. It's willful criminality. 
And that they need to, the Americans need to get together and say the EPA is not fit for purpose. It needs complete reform. Well, gentlemen, I just want to say thank you so much for your time today to, to discuss in detail about these two very important issues. And once again, Tom and I have been doing this program for many years now, and to my knowledge, we are the only program that explores the impact of neonicotinoids on the environment. And it's not just the bees, it's other pollinators. It's human health impact, which we have yet to see the research on that will show that impact. So, once again, thank you so much for joining me today, fellas. Well, thanks for having us. Thank you, June. And, Graham, thank you to your, as usual, your eloquence enlightens us. Well, shucks. <laughs> and, folks, if you have any questions for us, please write to us at questions at theorganicview.com. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is under the Organic View. Once again, tune in next week as Tom and I continue the discussion. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with the Organic View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon.